ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we buy shit we don't need. Ideas are grateful. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Luca Hosevar, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show. What is going on, man? It's my pleasure to be on here. I'm biohacking, am, I'm biohacking as we speak, drinking this coffee and getting caffeinated so, so that this will be at the highest level possible. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Uh, I had a little bit of black espresso before my workout. I wanted to do another one, but then I risked, I ran the risk of uh, getting weird and overly amped up. <laughs> <laughs> Man, please, please do it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, but you might finish like 70% of your sentences. <laughs> I'm like jumping in there all geeked out on caffeine. <laughs> and I want to, and we're here for you. Everyone's here for you. I'm pretty excited because you're, um, you are part of a small group of coaches that, I look up to strength and conditioning guys. It's, it's, it's you, it's Jay Ferugia, uh, Trevor Whitman. If you put him in there, uh, naughty Aguilar of, uh, functional patterns, like a very small group of guys who I feel really, really know their stuff at, at all aspects of the game and all the different dimensions. So I'm pumped for us to have a conversation today that kind of goes deep wherever this thing's going to go. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, um, for our listeners who might not be as familiar with your work, maybe you could give us a little bit of your origin story and your background. Oh, I'll, I'll try to, I've been better at wrapping it up faster because uh, this, <laughs> this can get deep as can be, but I'll, 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 you know, I come from Slovenia, which when I was born, it was still Yugoslavia actually, but uh, moved around a lot. Went to move to um, England, London. Didn't really know we were moving. I thought we were going on vacation. <clears throat> oh, <laughs> My dad drops me off at school. I speak no English. And he's like, hey, I'll pick you up at 3.30. Um, I guess that's one day to adapt, one way to adapt, right? Um, and uh, lived, lived there for, for four years. Then we came back. You know, it was, uh, it was just a lot of economical stuff going on. Obviously, the war started. Um, so he stayed in, in England. We came back right when the war started. Um, and, you know, Yugoslavia broke apart. And you had the Balkan War there for, from 91 to 97. And then my teenage years were basically a roller coaster of, basketball was it for me you know i mean that was that was my life but i also got really into uh, a lot of bad stuff uh you know by the time i was 12 13 like organized crime and somewhere or another started selling dope when i was 15 um so i had this weird kind of i kind of go to school when i feel like it i play a lot of basketball um you know i'm, I'm out in the streets but i did start so the big thing for, for me was that my mom she worked at the bank and when i was 14 she opened up a gym with her friend so she basically work up the bank in the morning. Her friend would run the gym in the morning and then my mom would come and, and run the gym in the evening. Uh, the second part was this small, you know, it was a membership gym, but it was, yeah. I don't know, 1500 square feet. Um, but I had to call the, all the cool stuff. And I was a scrawny kid, you know, and, and not tall. I mean, like I'm, you know, even now when I tell people I used to play pro basketball, they kind of give me the double, you know, up and down. I'm, I'm six foot. That's not like necessarily up there. But, you know, I had to, uh, you know, I started lifting weights because I was like, all right, like, you know, I read about it. That helps you get faster and jump higher and this, that, and the other. I was, I was already reading stuff, uh, you know, back then when I was 12 and 13, figuring out performance stuff. And, and I kind of, you know, I, I, I fell in love with it. I was really fortunate because, you know, one of the top power lifters in the country was training at, at, at my mom's gym. And at the bottom, you know, because in, in Slovenia, you'd have these physical culture, physical education buildings. Um, and you know, it was sponsored by the government. And so that was, it was in this building 
And at the bottom was this little shit, like basically a shithole of a, of a gymnastics gym. But in there were two guys that were at that point in time and for many years actually uh, like pretty much top two, three in the world for like, you know, a period of six, seven, eight years, go, uh, world champions, gold medalists. Uh, one of one's name was Alyash Pagan. You know, he was the um, on a on a straddle. Basically, was at that point in time for years the world champion. And um, they'd come up to the. They mostly they train obviously uh, down in gymnastics, little gym, but they'd come up and also uh, train there. And you know, so now I got these like I didn't even know how fortunate I was, you know. But they're showing yeah, me stuff, teaching me amazing. stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, the powerlifter, you know, taught me how to bench and squat and deadlift and. Uh, and these guys are showing me all types of, you know, tension techniques and body weight stuff. And, um, in which, you know, I was really engaged with it, but the thing that, the, the thing that kind of, um, I think even spurred this subcon, you know, why, why am I now a coach? I think it started there, you know, um, training helped me build confidence. You know, I was, was, was not confident. I was always the last kid, you know, picked to play. I was the youngest of the brothers, like all, you know, I can go on and on and on. I had some, 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 uh, other traumas there, but it's, but the, the, the weight room helped me build strength, not just physically, but also mentally, you know, and, and then you'd see it on the court, you know, I'm not turn 14, I turn 15, you know, I, I'm bumping people and they can't, basically they just can't physically guard me. You know, I'm like, wow, I'm faster. Oh, I can touch the rim. Um, you know, so, so now you connect these two. And of course it's a feedback loop, you know, the gym helps me improve performance. Then I'd get even more into reading shit, plyometrics, you know, overspeed, uh, overspeed training, yada, yada, all of that. And what's funny is that my, um, my basketball coach, Boris, he, his friend was, uh, when I say this name, don't even try to repeat it. Cause it's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, he was, it was still is kind of like, you know, one of the top track and field guys, um, in that part of Europe. He, he actually trained, um, also Marilyn Adi for the last six years of her career. And, um, Brigitte Bukovic was in 92, you know, she was the silver medalist on 110 meter hurdles. So he, he was the coach and, and, um, I kept bugging. I was like, Hey, look, like I want to jump higher. I want to run faster. So Boris goes and asks, you know, this guy, he's like, look, I got a kid. He's fucking, he's a nutcase, you know, um, wants to train. So, you know, Sergeant goes, all right, we'll tell him to come before school in the mornings, you know, to train with us thinking there's no way I'm going to show up. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> my ass shows up, you know, and, and for, the, for, for the beginning, he was annoyed, you know, <laughs> it was because we, we told Boris, like, yeah, let him come. Talk about he, your all-time backfires. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, he, he was like, because I was always, I was asking questions. I was, I was just very, very yeah. into it. And he was annoyed at first, but he actually started, you know, started realizing that, like, I'm very, very dedicated. And, um, but man, like, so I'm, I'm like 16, 17, and I'm, you know, in the mornings before school, you know, two to three days a week, I'm training with, you know, Olympic medalists from the Olympics, you know, like Brigitte Bukovic teaching me how to do foot fire. Unbelievable. And stuff like that. And, you know, and, and and that's when I, the first year I dunked, um, you know, the, I, of course. So now all of these things are kind of correlating. Um, at the same time, I, I say this story because I think it's important to even for me, you know, um, uh, one, one of the books that I love is called uh, So Good They Can't Ignore You uh, by yeah. Cal Newport. Um, yeah. And the reason I love that book when I read it, I was like, oh, this makes sense. Because it's not like when I picked up a basketball you know, I just loved basketball. I actually didn't, I wasn't good and I wasn't picked and people would make fun of me and it made me pissed off, you know, and it's like the pissed off made me work. And then the better I got, the more I loved it, you know, and, and this is how mm -hmm. life works. This passion hypothesis isn't necessarily really true. So the more you practice something, the better you get at it. The more you deliberate, deliberately practice it, the more passionate you become about stuff. Right. So 
that that was and I say that about not only basketball and training, you know, but it's like I think this is where for me the love of coaching began. And I didn't even, you know, know it because if you asked me at that point in time, the only thing I could tell you is like I'm gonna be pro pro ball player. You know, that's it. Um and so, you know, in in, in those like I said, years, there was a very crazy roller coaster because I had to train for hours and hours a day. I'd go to school, but I also wasn't in school a lot. You know, I, I kind of gamed the system. I had to kind of repeat summers and all that stuff. But I was doing a lot of stupid stuff. And then I actually escalated um, in those years, 16, 17, um, and then 18. And when I was, when we were seven, when I was 17, our team, our Slovenian team, one of the things we did is we went to the U.S. You know, we went to this uh, thing called Eastern Invitational Basketball Academy, which is kind of like the number one high school in Trenton, New Jersey. And it was, it was meant to be an experience for us, right? Like, hey, play with the American players, um, see how you stack up in the competition. It's going to be great for the team, which it, which it was. You know, it, it was a great experience for us all. What, what year was this? So this is 99, 98, okay. 99. Um, so we're yeah. like riding high after the dream team and all that stuff. And Yes, yes. And I mean, you guys, I was, you guys you know, had to be so fired up to come to the U.S. Oh, it, it was, I mean, you know, and of course, like you look at, I'm, I'm waking up, you know, to, I was obviously a big, big Jordan Chicago Bulls fan. Yeah. Um, and I would be waking up, you know, you had to wake up at 3 a.m., 3.30 to watch the games, you know, when you were in Slovenia. Man, we wake up, we watch the games, you know, it's, it's, yep. it's, it was nothing. You know, you'd go in the morning to practice, all fired up. So just, you know, going to the U.S. was 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 like this, um, certainly a great experience. And But I had no, like, you know, at that, that the moment that we went there, I never thought about like, all right, you know, I'm going to go to college here because I was actually already playing kind of D2 ball, getting paid under the table. Um, you know, I was making money in the streets. It, it was like one of those things where that, that was not on my mind, you know. Um, and, and then we got there. I did really well. Um, and, and a guy that, you know, because you get assigned to basically you, you play some games, you get assigned to teams and then the whole week you um, you play. Right. It's like it's a league. And then you have every day. I mean, it's hours and hours of basketball. You do skills drills and then your team plays and. Right, you have an all star game and all that stuff, and I, and I did, I did great. But uh, more so, there was a, uh, a coach. His name was Wayne Jones. That was like, hey, have you ever thought about going to college? You know, in the U.S. And I was like, no, not really. I, you know, I play pro, this, that, the other. Uh, but he was a great, great guy, and he kept in touch with me. So when we came back, you know, I was definitely on a high from that. Um, I'm playing really good, but also I'm, you know, this this is the thing about anything criminal is like, you know, you fall into it. It's, it can crescendo really quickly, you know? So that, yeah. so that year, um, it was just a lot of stuff that happened, you know, like I was, you know, I was seeing that, um, I was getting basically from a lawyer, my conversations on a phone, phone tapped, um, you know, interrogated oh. jail, like, you know, all of these things from getting shot at, you name it. And it's, it's like, I had the aha moment. Actually, my basketball coach was like, Hey, like, you know, sat me down. So I know, I know what you're doing. And, you know, it's like, where do you think this leads? And um, it just, he created a lot of, just, let's just put it like an awareness, you know? Um, like, Did you not listen to uh, Notorious B.I.G.'s Ten Crack Commandments? Oh, I absolutely. I, like, listen, I, <laughs> I will lyrically, you, you let me know anything from the late 80s to the early 2000s. I, I will wrap it for you word for word. I um, love it. So, I might, ju- I might jump uh, in with you. We'll, we'll save that for the hell end. Yes. <laughs> hell yeah. Um, it, but it, but it was, it, he did, you know, and I, and I always, I do actually credit to, you know, I say that my life wouldn't be the way that it is, uh, where I don't know if it would be at all, if it wasn't for basketball, you know, basketball and, 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 and the coaching in basketball was definitely the first savior of, of my life with the direction I was going. And that's where, you know, that year and, and the thing was Wayne kept, kept communicating with me. And so 
And now all of a sudden he's like, hey, you know, you should come to, he, he lived in Denver. He said, come to Denver, you know, we'll train for a couple of weeks and we'll do two EIBCs back to back. And as everything was starting to crazy, I, I legitimately was like, okay, like, fuck it. You know, what do I have to lose? Right. Um, so I go, so I go there. Uh, now I don't understand. Kind of got you out of Dodge, right? <laughs> it, it certainly did. But, but the thing is, but I didn't understand like the college recruiting system or any of that stuff. Right. Like, uh, yeah. and so it was, you know, I, I think I got there in beginning of July because EIBC is like mid July to, to end of July slash beginning of August. You know, I, I don't know when, you know, the, there's no more scholarships at that point in time. You know, so it, it is what it is. But, I, you know, I'd go to Denver, train every day for for hours, get super prepped. And I do great. Like I in, in EIBC, I do great. And I have a bunch of schools, um, Delaware State, Quinnipiac, uh, Western Michigan, all D1s. Uh, not super high level D1s, but that mid level D1s. Um, actually, even San Francisco, talk to San Francisco too. And But some of those schools were like, we love you. Like, hey, listen, you walk on year one, you'll get a scholarship year two. And I'm like, okay, well, what does walking on mean? Well, you got to pay for your first year. Like, all right, cool, cool, cool. All right, how much? You know, all these schools are like 48 to 50 plus thousand dollars a year, oh. which for me, you know, it's like, this is so out of reach. I remember even talking to my pops, and like before I even got through mid sentence, it was like, you know, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that was out of the window. But, but there was a, you know, because this was a new year, so Wayne wasn't my coach for the team. There was another guy, and he said, "Look, Luca, I used to play and uh, be a coach at a school in upstate New York. Um, it's a D two JUCO, and he's like, you can't get a full ride because we just, you know, they, they don't have the money for it, but they can they can cover some things, um, and you'll play, and you're really good, man. You're good, you'll play. Like you're one." You, if you play like this, he's like, you won't be coming off the bench, right? And I got back uh, the, let's see, like, I think, I, I remember these things kind of pretty clearly, but I, I came back like right at the beginning of August, went to the embassy and was like, you know, here's all the paperwork, fucking let's do it. So it was, it was a pretty fast decision, but it made sense to me because I was like, look, I get to play basketball. I can still go pro. You know, I get I get to do school and I get away from, you know, I would say the negative things that, that were kind of really pulling me down at that point in time. Yeah. And um, I ended up getting all the paperwork. My first day, actually, in, in the U.S. was suppo- well, supposed to be my flight was on September 11th, uh, 2001. So tw- I think 20 minutes after the towers got hit is when uh, our flight was meant to land. You know, and we're in the, we're in the air, little yellow lights start blinking. And you were flying goes, into New York, right? Yeah, I'm flying into New York. So we flew oh. we flew around in the air until we kind of ran out of fuel and then landed in Nova Scotia. And I Whoa. stayed in the military camp for a week before taking a bus down to uh, the city when it was still like you could, you know, smell the fumes, military, the whole. And then I walked Holy I had to walk through the city with all the bags and go to Greyhound and then took a, a, a bus upstate to Binghamton, which is where my JUCO was. So then, you know, then I did two years there. I uh, got a full ride in Southern Virginia for Virginia Intermont. From there, I went to, um, uh, I played, my first pro year was actually in Ukraine, believe it or not, in Yuzhny, uh, uh, which is was about 45-minute drive from Odessa. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, like I said, from th- th- I played for about three and a half years pro ball. And um, and I was always like this, you know, there's always this underlying story of, of strength training and performance. I, you know, even in school, like, I did business management, but I was like, you know, you do business management because it's the thing you think that you should do, right? <laughs> but I just, all my electives were pretty much, you know, I ended up getting a minor in exercise science and kinesiology because I was so geeked out. I mean, I was writing fucking programs for, you know, strength and conditioning programs for our team. Because everybody's like, wow, well, you know all this stuff. I do. And it's like, like, 
literally I'll go back to my dorm room right now and fucking study this stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, from, from the age I, I read Charlie Francis speech rap when I was like 15, 16. I mean, you know, it, it, I was just geeked out about the performance side because like I said, you know, when I was 13, 14, when mom opened the gym, I got so into it. Um, and because it helped me change, I, I, I was so bought into this thing. Right. And, yeah. and so as I'm even, like I said, I'm in Ukraine, you know, I'm training harder than everybody. I'm in the weight room extra. You know, I'm talking to the strength coach about little tweaks that I can do to, you know, improve my vertical to not get tired. Um, and fun, funny enough, in the Ukraine, you know, that strength and conditioning coach, I remember even him saying, Luca, you want to take extra pill? I said, nah, man, I'm not going to do that because uh, <laughs> I don't know you guys going to fucking give me that and then test me two days later. Not into that, but, uh, uh, like they did, they, you, man, they, did have, like they, they did have some, I'm telling you, they did have some. Some accelerated recovery strategy, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I bet. And and then so we're not talking about shillajit. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was still <laughs> pretty good, like Russian accent. And I was, uh, I was, should I say, it did get upset at that Ukrainian accent. Um, <laughs> but it's it's uh, you know from so so I was there. I went from there. I played in Slovenia for a couple of years. Um, uh, actually played in the NBA summer pro league, the last one in Southern California um, as well. And you know, in the, the last year that I played pro ball, you know, kind of like officially, um, I started training people. And it was, um, it's actually one of our friends was doing uh, kettlebell training. This is like way back. You know, I've been doing kettlebell yeah. training for like 20, 20 years plus. Mm-hmm. Pa, you know, Pavel was one of my kind of first uh, mentors. Actually, I did, the, I did the first RKC in Denmark, in Europe, which was, I think, in 2004, if I'm not mistaken. Um but he, you know, my brother was like, "Hey, listen, you want to go do this uh, session with this these kettlebells? They're like these metal balls." Um, and you know, I'm super into training, so I'm like, "Of course." And we went, you know, Greg trained us, and like we got demolished. Now I was very fit, you know. I was like, so you know, we're doing swings and snatches and offset goblet squats and all types of shit. And I'm just like, dude, Turkish get-ups and. You know, I'm sore for like four days afterwards. <laughs> yeah. And I want to do more, you know, I ne- I didn't want to be conquered by anything. So I'm like, oh, let's start training. You know, so we started training, started learning, uh, start, you know, really got into the Russian kettlebell challenge. That initial RKC, for anybody that remembers back in the day when it was still, you know, RKC was at, at its kind of like prime and peak um, and got really into that. And and basically my, my brother was training because he used to play soccer and pro soccer. And um, his time was just like, because he had a translating agent step one time. He's like, look, can you take over training like three, four guys? You know, they're, they're, some of them are soccer guys, some are not, but like, I just can't train them anymore. And I did like a session with them, you know, and, and uh, they, they went to my brother and said, listen, we don't know what the hell, but like your brother's got a knack for this. Like, this is like, he's so good at the coaching and, uh, you know, getting us to do more and stuff like that. And I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I actually really, really enjoyed it and kind of, that spurred, you know, I started training people. Um, and I started, you know, I basically would either train folks outside with ke- uh, kettlebells. Uh, we go to this park Tivoli, uh, which is like this awesome, like massive outdoor area with, you know, hills. And um, you got like, you know, in Slovenia it's cool because you have these trails and it's like there's pull-up bars and logs that you can lift. So it's really kind of, again, that, that whole physical education side of things. So we'd go there, we'd roll up with the car, kettlebells, kegs, ropes. Um, you know, we'd have all types of stuff and, and just train outside. And then I also trained at the gym. And, um, when I was training at that gym, you know, I was honestly training for obviously for myself, but I was doing stuff that, you know, mo- you know, mobility, obviously everybody today knows like you do 
don't know, Spider-Man lunge with, with a rotation and this, that, and like everybody just, like you did that 20 years ago, you know, people are looking at you, you funny, you do a tie set, yeah. you know, uh, you know, but then I was lifting heavy and doing different shit and, um, and people were like, yo, what are you doing? So, you know, I'd explain to them cause I was so geeky about training, you know, I could, you know, and, and they're like, man, would you want to train me? So I picked up a couple of people. Um, and part of it too, is because, you know, my last year, like <laughs> pro sports is interesting, right? Like you sign a contract doesn't mean you'll make the money that you signed a contract for. Um, and you, I've, I've, I've experienced the highs and lows of pro sports, you know, where, um, like that year I didn't get paid for like seven months. Um, and because the team is like, you know, they don't have the money, they're, they're, the, the sponsors aren't getting it. There's a lot of weird stuff going on and they keep kind of lying to you. So you keep playing. So I'm doing two a days, you know, I get up in the morning, I practice, then I coach people. I'm making some money there, not a lot. Then I go back and practice. Then I play pro games on Saturdays, not getting paid, you know? So, um, but, but the thing is, but w- w- what I really got from it too, is that when I was coaching people, I was very fulfilled, right? It was I felt really, really good. And I, I, I tell this story a lot because I honestly, there was a, um, you know, I was really trying to level out the karma in my life. I, you know, my, my teens, I did a lot of bad shit, you know, and uh, I mean, we could dive into it, but it's, it's like bad shit. And, and I, you know, coaching for me was like, I would help people, you know, and, it, and I'd give back and it, it made me feel so good. It was very fulfilling. And I tell people today, it's like, when you give, the gift is not just for them. It's for you, you know, and mm-hmm. I still to this day feel like that. But but that was when I had that spark is like, you know, I was barely making any money. People barely paying me anything when I was coaching. But man, I, after every session, I was energized. I felt so good about myself as far as who I am and what I'm doing. You know, it was kind of tilting that the, 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 that karma scale, you know, uh, mm-hmm. at least I was like, man, if I can work, you know, for, for the rest of my life and tilt it to neutral. Um, and I, I'd say that, I've tilted past that now, but you know, that was my mentality. And, yeah. and so in that gym, uh, it was called Sokol. Uh, I started getting some clients and then what I did is they had a, they had a ma- magazine that they put, cause that was the kind of like the, the bigger gym franchise, um, in, in kind of our, our city and even some other cities and I had a, a pretty big publication magazine. Uh, and then I ended up just submitting an article, uh, about back pain. Cause I actually had struggled with back pain, uh, even when I was younger, you know, my whole life. Um, and, this back pain article blew up, you know, uh, people were coming in the gym. It's like, Hey, you're the guy who wrote the back pain article. Oh, I want you to train me. It was a little overwhelming. Cause I'm like, I'm practicing ball and lifting weights since five hours, four to five hours a day. You know what I mean? And then in between I'm coaching people. Um, and, and now all of a sudden we're training some people out in the park. You know, I'm training people in the gym and like, I have a, a list of people that want to train with me. I can't take them on. Um, and I mean, look, good problems, but it's not like I was making a bunch of money at that point in time. And you got to understand, like at, at that point in time in Slovenia, there's no personal trainer that you can look to and go like, man, look at him, like super famous, like they're making really good money. Mm. It doesn't exist. You know, you're either yeah. a strength coach and you make okay, you know, get by money or, you know, you're a personal trainer. That's your side hustle, right? Yep. That, that's, the, that's the only thing that existed then. And you have, you know big box gyms there weren't as big but they were like membership gyms you know not coaching gyms that didn't exist yeah and it got to a point where I, you know i went to my brother because you know the group in the park went from three people four people eight people to then 12 to 15 to 18 you know to we had to split it and then we'd have people walking in the park and seeing these groups and going like what the fuck is this you know and my you know my pitch would always be like hey you can jump in on friday and try it out you know um and we, we grew it so much that, you know, people were getting results. People were loving the camaraderie. 
uh, a lot of the folks that I was coaching were either, you know, wanted to feel like an athlete again. Um, and so that was, so not only, not only from a standpoint of like the, the way they look and, and perform, but the way that the locker room feel, right? Like the high fives with the people, you know what I mean? Like the, the like struggling through something together and feeling like somebody's got their back. Like that was a critical point. I went to my brother, I said, listen, man, like we got something here. Like there's something here. I'm telling you, like we got to open a gym. And my brother was like, no. And, and at that point in time, I was also engaged to be married. So, and, you know, very likely going to move to the U.S. because it was, this was a, a, my college sweetheart. And, you know, so he's like, I don't know. And I ended up taking, you know, uh, uh, I didn't have a, a ton of money, but I invested in this consultant. And this consultant was back then, if, any, you know, he was like when Thomas Plummer was at, its, at the peak in the fitness industry, he was kind of like that for the industry in Slovenia. And he's like, oh, man, I love your enthusiasm. Like your energy is, is, is crazy, but it's like it won't work. You know, there's, there is no coaching gyms and there's a reason for it. The reason for it is there's not a market for it. And that's why there is none, you know. Uh, and I was like, well, I fucking disagree. Uh, you know, <laughs> I burned my money because I'm still fucking doing it. So, you know, and I kept bugging my brother. And it, it, it's eventually he kind of gave in because I am, I will go through my I mean, head through a wall. Anybody that knows me is like. I I got some problems, you know, <laughs> like if I get something in my head, it's like, I'm going to go for it. I'm not going to stop. And, you know, we bought about uh, back then it was like 3000 euros worth of kettlebells, barbells, some pull-up bars. And we got this 470 square foot room. I've shared it on my Instagram. Like I got some of these pictures, even though back then, you know, you, it, you won't, you didn't have like uh, phones that took pics and videos and all that shit it was um, but, but we still got some pictures of when we drove around the van training, um, that little room and in, in a short amount of time, that room grew, you know, meaning grew like our classes got full, uh, at least at the busy times. And we moved from there to uh, a 2,200 square foot space. And at that point in time is when I moved to the U S um, cause I had to kind of make a choice. You know, it was, it was a lot more feasible for me to live in the U S than for back then my, uh, my wife to come to Slovenia and, um, and that was the, basically that was the start of our gym there, which has been now around for almost 16 years. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's going to go on 16 years. Uh, and I, but I had to, you know, when I came here, I start, start from scratch. And start from scratch for me was like, you know, LA Fitness. Um, went from LA Fitness to this gym called Vision Quest, helped them build a personal training program, boot camps. They ended up buying 14, 15 gyms and selling for 39 million to LA Fitness. Um, and in that time frame. While I was still working there, actually, I started my garage gym. You know, so in Seattle, in Renton, um, I've, I've now had a gym. Uh, it's going on 14 years. So um, that's the really short of the story because that garage gym went to a bigger gym. And then I ended up buying a building uh, about five years ago and, and kind of ripping it apart and making it the bigger ground that it is today. It's a, a 12,000 square foot building. We have a um, smoothie bar. Uh, it's called Fit Bar Cafe. We have uh, um, high def physical therapy inside. Uh, we have recovery area. We have actually uh, the national championship rugby team, Seattle, uh, Seattle Seawolves, that I also coached and their strength and conditioning coach. That's all inside. Uh, we have a nail salon. We have a hair salon. <laughs> we're, I'm, I'm leasing out. I'm not running any of that. Um, yeah. But but it's you know it, it's it's come a really really long way, man. And and um, it's just evolved. This it, you know it's evolved and. I believe, you know, the, the, it's funny, it's the name Vigor Ground, you know, people always ask me, like, why? Why Vigor Ground? Um, sounds cool, but there's, there's, there's a deeper meaning to it, too. It's, 
you know, if you if you look up a vigor in in a, um, in a dictionary, it says a number of different things. One is energy, right? It's force, but but the thing is like per, this personal power, right? But it's also the uh, basically the growth of all physical and so uh, and psychological things, right? If you dig deeper into it, so to me, vigor ground was the place where you come to build your personal power, energy, and improve physically, mentally, right? Um, and it, what it, what our philosophy is that like once because it's not it's a way of life right that when when people leave they live that life and vigor ground is wherever you walk um but that was that was uh, you know how we came up with that um and it and it, it was part of the you know the interesting thing is that the transformation of vigor is my personal transformation you know i, I went from you know if somebody met me in my teenager years you i mean shit like every teacher that i had was like this guy's not going to make it. Shit. My mom was like, you know, this guy's not going to make it. Um, and you know, I, I believe in change so much because I changed so much and that's why I'm so driven and so uh, purposeful about, you know, what we do. Cause I believe, I mean, I am the, you know, and I always tell that like, be the product of the product, right? Like, do you, do you live this? You know, do you, do you, um, your, your life, I feel like is a, uh, it's like if there was a you know, camera on you 24-7, you didn't know it was there. Yeah. And that's who you are. You know, mm-hmm. I don't give a shit what you put on IG. I don't care, you know, what cool quotes you say. It, you know, it, you are, like, if you turn things off, like, who would, you know, if you if you have a son and they watch the video of you, but you don't know that the video is being played, that you're mm-hmm. being filmed, that's who you are. You know, like, mm-hmm. do, you, do you open the door for the old lady? Do you help somebody out here? Do you go and, and, and train when you don't feel like it? Do you do the work even though fucking you don't want to? You go above and beyond, even you're not paid for it. You know, I can keep going on and on and on. All these yeah. things that we like to say, are we living those things? And what and are so, you saying? What are you saying? You know, that that isn't even vocalized. What's the conversation happening between your ears? Correct. Because again, you know, like you see this a lot where, where I mean, we live in an era and like, look, I'm not against social. I, I think social media is so powerful. I was, you know, just, you know, tell my girl and show my girl sometimes. Look, look, look at these messages I get from all over the world. It's mind boggling. It's humbling. It's, it's, um, you know, but it energizes me even more because, you know, there's no shit. Like for instance, I got a message and it's like, Hey, like I'm this coach from Nigeria. Like there's this whole like village that does your workouts. And I'm like, what? This is (laughs) fucking insane. You know what I mean? Like, um, like stuff like that is nuts. So you can use it for good. You know, you can use it to really influence and persuade in a positive direction. So, I love it, but it's also, but it's also smoke and mirrors. You know, it's also mm-hmm. the little man in the wizard of Oz behind the curtain, right? Uh-huh. Like what's, what's real and what's not because it's a lot of perception. So I, I always say like, man, like, you know, even when it, when it comes to trust of people, but also, you know, if you're a business and like, for instance, everybody's a business essentially, right? Even if you work for someone, it doesn't matter. You're, you're you Inc. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you're you Inc., does your audio match your video, right? Does do does what you say on, and and do on on here, right? Is it real? Is it gonna you know? Is it gonna carry over when people meet you? It's like oh man, that, that the audio matches the video. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of times it doesn't. But when it does, that's you know the value of your value goes up tremendously and it builds trust. And, mm-hmm. and to go back to this, right? I would say okay, if if you're the CEO of You Inc., okay, and you're going out to ask, you know, for, for investors, like, or, you know, your, what would your shareholders think? Mm -hmm. Right. Would they invest in you? Right. Right. That's the thing is, but like the, the, the reality is if you're the CEO of you Inc, 
who has to invest? You, you like you're the number one asset. Mm-hmm. You got to invest in you. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. are by far the number one asset. I, I just put this post up the other day because I was thinking about this and I had a conversation with a friend, you know, that's like heavy in the stocks and whatever, you know, and, and I'm like, man, listen, like the thing I never hear you say is like, when, you know, when we talk about training, you're like, ah, oh, no, no. but training is investing in you, right? Mm-hmm. We, and we talk about like this idea you have for business and it's like, man, you're not putting time, money and energy into it. So you're, you're literally with your actions saying that you trust companies that you don't know the CEO of, the workers of, anything to be more valuable than yourself, mm-hmm. which was sad to me. You know what I mean? Like when I presented yeah. it to him that way, he kind of had this like little aha moment. I'm like, my number one stock is me. And then it's my, my team and my business. And obviously the, the people I care and love about. And I will be- listen, I believe in, you know, I, I, I bought a bunch of real estate, obviously for, for the company and other stuff. And I believe in stocks, but it's definitely going to not be num- my number one investment. Mm-hmm. Number one investment is always going to be me and the people around me. Right. Yeah. And, and the thing is, if you say that, but then I look at your, you know, uh, your, uh, your bank account, where your money's going, and that's not telling me that, then that's not true. That's not what you're committed to. Yeah. And, and that's, and sometimes that's harsh, right? I was uh, just in Scottsdale speaking at at a big event and I talk about this watch and this wallet, you know, philosophy, right? Like where do you, where's your watch and your wallet going? Like, where's your time going? Right. If I look at your schedule, what is on your schedule and then your wallet, like, where's your money going? Like, those are things you're committed to, man. I really want to spend time with it. Okay. Let me see your calendar. I'm, yep. I'm committed to getting fit this year. Okay, cool. Let me see your schedule. When you when you have a coach, when you're meeting with people to go train, where's your where's your prepping for nutrition? Right. Well, it's not, I'll get it done when it's. Oh no! See, that's the thing. It's not on there. You're not dedicating time energy to it. Yeah. Now let me see your bank account. Like man, I see you. I see you having drinks three nights a week at a bar. Each time is fifty five bucks. But you but you can't go train. Again, mm-hmm. listen. I'm not here to judge you. I'm just here to be like, this is what you're saying. And this is what it's showing. And mm-hmm. it's not matching up. You know what I mean? And until yeah. you don't match those things up and do it consistently for a long period of time, you know, you're, you're not going to achieve the things that you want to. But what's, what's cool again, is like, I look at my own life, right? If I, if back then I'd be like, yeah, I want to do this, 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 my shit was not matching when my time and energy was going, was not matching, you know, who I wanted to become. Right. And, and because of that, it, it was also, uh, you know, one of those things where I'd always, whether it was me getting in trouble or people around me were getting hurt, like, I don't know why this is happening. Well, mm-hmm. I put myself in these situations. Of course, this is going to be happening. Right. And then when I removed myself from, from those environments, that shit wasn't happening anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. again, it, you know, the hardest thing in life is, is obviously um, being honest with yourself you know, being aware and looking at yourself in the mirror and like, do, you know, doing the hard shit. It's, you know, yep. one of the biggest signs in our, in our gym is like, do the work, you know, yeah. no matter like, no matter what, like you always got to do the work. I, I don't care. You can't get away from it. You know, you just can't get away from it. What's up guys. It's Anthony here. And I interrupt this broadcast because I just opened up the coolest package. It was uh it was one of the first packages that arrived at our PO box and it included a bottle of uh CBD infused hydrating body lotion from it looks like American Shaman 
is the company. And I haven't tried it yet, so I can't necessarily vouch for it, but it looks pretty dope. Uh, a Liberty Lives sticker, a whole bunch of USA stickers and uh, red, white, and blue and home of the brave and that sort of thing. A $75 gift card to Lowe's, which is pretty awesome. And a little note, cheers to making your own furniture. And then I've got a cool uh, envelope with a letter here that I haven't opened, but I will open on the air. And uh, if, if it's cool with the author, um, share it with you guys. And you know, if, it, if there's a question or two on there that I could help with, be happy to do that. So um, I love this. I absolutely love getting stuff in the mail and uh, with all the digital censorship and everything that's been going on. It's, it's a great way for us to be able to stay in touch and open those lines of communication. And just being real with you guys, I've been putting a ton of my resources into our North Carolina property. We had to buy an excavator. We have put in over a mile of roads into mountains at 3,500 feet that are filled with like thick, almost rainforest uh, topography. And now we're kind of getting to the point where I could build a home and I don't, I don't have a, you know, a couple million dollars in the bank, but I'm, you know, I'm comfortable. I live good. I have everything I need and I'm super, super blessed. Um, but if you guys feel compelled to contribute, if you feel that there has been a contribution to the value that you have received from the Biohacking Secrets Show, the Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus, our coaching program, anything that we've put out there, some of our videos, whatever it is, if it's uplifted your life physically, mentally, spiritually, and you feel that the value that you have received exceeds the value that you've given um, and you have the means to do so, I'd love to open up uh, an opportunity for you to send in a donation that will go towards me building my house in North Carolina. And cash is amazing. Silver from Gainesville Coins is amazing. And really anything that you feel called to share. And if you're not in a position to share, obviously, like I'm not... I'm not trying to put you in a situation at all. That's not the purpose here. It's only if if there's abundance in your life, if you feel that the value that you've received from the things that we've put out exceeds the value that you've given, then uh, you can send in some something cool along with a handwritten letter to P.O. Box 7151, Deerfield, Illinois, 60015. That's P.O. Box 7151, Deerfield, one word, Illinois, 60015. And uh, if you do do so, like, yes, silver from Gainesville coins is amazing. Yes, cash is amazing. And I can use those things to help build a house in North Carolina. Oh, and a super dope biohacking gym that, uh, you know, yeah, there's a lot that we're going to do with that, with our events and with our coaching program and everything that you guys will see. But I got to build a biohacking gym and a home. And that's what your donations would be going towards. Um, but if you do do that, please include a handwritten letter. 
share a little bit of your story, some of the ways that your life has changed or improved. If you have any questions, you can include one or two of those in the letter and I will answer them on the air. And I think it's an awesome way for us to stay connected, stay in touch, avoid some of the online censorship. And uh, and you guys could help me build my house and biohacking, biohacker gym. It'd be amazing. It's a win-win for everybody. So yes, appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening and being part of this journey. Much love to you. And now without further ado, let's get back to the episode. I mean, there's so much to unpack here. So like, I mean, you had this insane situation growing up where you were basically like in an Olympic combine as a kid with these world-class athletes from different disciplines. And I mean, your focus at the time was like, you wanted to jump higher and run faster and, and, and that sort of thing. Like if you were to sort of deconstruct like one or two of, of the most powerful lessons that you took away from, let's say the gymnast or the Olympic power lifter that you mentioned that you, you keep with you today, that you teach other people today, that you see a lot of folks on this journey, not doing what mm-hmm. comes to mind. Let me try to, uh, all right, I'll distill it. I'll try to distill it in kind of like maybe three steps. Right. But like, one is showing up. You know, one, one of the things that you see with elite, right, with elites in any field um, is that, like, they do stuff regardless. I mean, you know, in, I, a buddy of mine, he was a Super Bowl champion, uh, Tim Agali mentioned this to me one day, and I said, man, I wrote it down. I forever remembered it, and I talked about it. You know, what is commitment, right? Commitment is doing what you said you would do when you said you'd do it. That's one point. That's one one part of commitment part two is doing what is required okay so let's let's talk about that one a little bit like doing what is required so if right now you lift 100 pounds on a trap bar deadlift but you tell me i want to lift 600 pounds okay on a trap bar deadlift okay dope i I love that you know that's gonna be a journey but like man you can do it okay i'm gonna lift one time a week listen that's, that's not enough. It's not what's required. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to build a million dollar business, but I want to work five, six hours a day. That's not what's required, mm-hmm. right? Like you, like there's just a reality of what it requires to achieve something, right? So commitment yeah. is doing what you said you do when you said you do it, doing what's required. And this one's powerful. Number three, doing it despite of emotions, feelings, moods, and thoughts, right? So, oh man, I don't feel like doing this today. Fucking do it anyways, right? And it goes for anything. Like, oh, I don't feel like being the kindest to my partner today. Well, it's the right thing to do, right? Because you, and you remember, you're committed, okay? So no matter what, I don't feel like eating this healthy food today, you know, but it's like, I just want to eat shit. Okay, well, I'm going to do it anyways. So one thing that that elite athletes have is a, they show up because they're committed, okay? (laughs) Number two, and this is what I found about the, with around the best of the best, um, is curiosity. Meaning that to get you know to get better, they can't look. They're, they're I'll say this: that high level athletes have a confidence around them, and we'll talk about what I feel like builds confidence. But they're curious. You know, it's interesting because the the best of the best that I've been around, you know, even though they're at such an elite level, 
they'd be like, I don't know. I would say something and they're like, what did you say? How did you do that? Let me see. Right. They're in, cause they're trying to, they're trying to find every way to improve. Mm-hmm. Right. And the moment that they think that they know it all or they're not curious is the, is the moment that everything starts falling apart. Right. Cause now your brain is like, well, I, like I know this. So that means that I don't need to seek it out. So curiosity was no one. Number three is focus. Man, it's like one of the things that I realized and like also too, you know, being around, I, I even remember one time going to um, Brigitte. So she was the the, um, the lady that won the silver in the 110 meter hurdles in, in Barcelona. And she was sitting there cross-legged against the wall with her eyes closed. And I, I mean, I waited, so I wasn't a shit, but like when she got out of it, and I was like, hey, do you mind me asking what you were doing? You know, and she was just like, oh, I just, I was visualizing. I was running through in my head what my training session is going to be like. You know, and I was just like, what do you like? What do you mean? Like she was like, I saw it before it happened. I was sitting there calmly and like I went through my warm-up in my head. I went through the first drill that we'll do, how I'm gonna do it, how fast I'm punching, the rhythm. And it's like for like 15 minutes, like I'm going through that thing in my head. Right. And then like I come out of it and then I'm going to make that happen, but I've already saw it. Right. And so, you know, she talked to me about visualization and playing things in her mind. And and then later on, I would, you know, also read books. And I I remember Cycle Cybernetics was actually one of the first books that I read that started, you know, the theater of the mind, Um, which when I read it, it was funny because I was like, oh, man, this is what Brigitte was talking about. You know, and I, I started doing that, right? Where you, you're playing the future in your head, you know, whether it was, you know, for ball, it would be like, you know, I would see how the uh, the ball leaves my fingertips, where my elbow is, you know, slow motion, swish through net and like play it over and over and over again. Like, you know, these these things are helpful. I mean, it, it's proven by science too, right? It was like how your neurons uh, essentially like it, it's real in, in, in your head, right? Um, so it's it's also patterning. But, but that, that's one of the things that I found is they were so focused, you, you know, in a training session, not to say that they wouldn't have fun, but it, when, it, when it was time to do the thing, you know, whatever the thing was, is, you know, 10% away, acceleration, sled sprints, um, bounding, whatever. I mean, their focus was insane, right? It was just like, I, you know, <laughs> the Serengeti and like the, uh, the cheetah going after its prey. I mean, that's the only way that I can, you know, put it this way, the highest level ones, that's the one of, one of the things that I, um, that I saw and, and learned. And, you know, it's interesting now that I'm in the world. I mean, I, I still train. I, I have this philosophy of being an athlete for life. But focus is such a superpower because, you know, we're, we live in such a distracted world that if you can be zoned in for work for three hours, you're going to get more done than somebody in three days, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because, again, a, Interestingly enough, I promise you, I don't have any affiliation with Cal Newport and his books, uh, but but he's got another book called Deep Work. And I just remembered it, you know, as I'm talking about this, that as soon as you get distracted, you know, it takes you about 20 minutes to get back to like really locked in, you know, and, and now we have, you know, our phones around us, uh, you know, stuff. And we, we, we put ourselves in environments where, like I said, there's distractions left and right. So how do you even get work done? Right. You, 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 you're like, oh, I was, I was doing work. I'm busy. But like in eight hours, you got done, you know, what somebody could be that could be exceptionally focused could get done in an hour. Yep. OK, so, you know, but this was a thing, like, like I said, that um, that with I found with the highest level athletes. And I would say number four, I think this one's really important um, because 
you know, being around people that spent a lot of time, um, you know, like Brigitte was a, a person that like spent a lot of time before she got that uh, Olympic medal. Right. I mean, we're talking about years and years and years. And another great example was a friend of mine is uh, Demetrius Johnson, Mighty Mouse, you know, one of mm-hmm. the, I mean, pound for pound greatest fighters of all time. You know, he's, yeah. uh, I, I actually trained with him. Um, it, it, crazy, interesting story, but like, you know, um, his wife came to one of my boot camps when I was, was at Vision Quest. Uh, she did this uh, transformation challenge. And because she came to that, that's where they met because AMC was also training out of Vision Quest. Um, and I trained with those fighters and train those fighters sometimes. And he was still, you know, amateur five, five and oh, I'd go to, you know, his fights here around Washington before uh, he, he went pro. And, and obviously, you know, now he's, you know, one of the greatest. He's probably going to uh, re- retire not far from now with one championship. But, you know, you, you talk about a journey. OK. Um, and remember, this is this is a guy that didn't quit his job at the warehouse until his seventh title defense in the UFC. <laughs> wow. I go back and look at that. It's, it's insane. So he was get up, train, go to warehouse, work all day, train again. And he defended six UFC titles before he was like, all right, maybe I should take this. Maybe I don't have to, you know what I mean? Uh, wow. But 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 the lesson there between those two examples amongst a, a lot of others, you know, I've been fortunate enough to uh, be around incredible athletes. One of my good friends, uh, Goran Dragic, he plays for the Brooklyn Nets. He's been in the league now for 13 years. Um, you know, same thing. It always takes, you know, uh, it's this quote, right? People people overestimate what they can do in the short term, but they drastically underestimate what they can do in the long term, right? And that goes hand in hand with the showing up part. But, but, oh, you think you're going to, you know, you think you're going to grow this thing in a year, but it's really going to take five, okay? Like you want to transform in three months, but it's going to take you 12 or 18, Okay. Mm -hmm. But in that time, you can do a lot more than you believe is possible. Right. And and this mentality can really, really wreck havoc because, you know, people will bust their butt, bust their butt, bust their butt. They're like, oh, I'm eight weeks in. I'm 10 weeks in. Fuck, I'm not rich yet. You know, I'm not shredded to pieces. I'm not healthy. Uh, Oh, well, I'm off, you know, and then you kind of repeat that cycle rather than looking in the future and going like, hey, look, for the next three years, you know, I'm going to. I'm going to just build this. And then you get focused and you get curious and you show up and you stay committed, man. And then amazing shit happens. Right. So, um, th- those were definitely, uh, some of the lessons I'm, 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 I'm sure that there's more of them, but it's like, you know, this whole mask, this idea of mastery. Um, like I, I saw this post of, uh, on Instagram about it's about Instagram posts and how you build a following and things like that. Right. And I mean, I've, you know, my, my social media channels have grown quite significantly. I think they have a, a ton of ways to go, but, um, but, uh, you know, even YouTube, like YouTube has gotten pretty big. IG or Facebook figure, uh, has an insane engagement and views and things like that. Right. And, you know, there's all these, you know, there's courses and stuff like that on how to do it. And like, look, I, there's nothing, I have nothing against that. Right. But somebody put a post up and was like, no, like what you do is you, Create great content every day, right? Valuable things, like useful things that are real, right? And you post it consistently for the people, right? To solve people's problems. So either, you know, I always say building a brand is four things. It's like make people laugh, make people uh, cry, make people feel, and then give them value in advance. And that fourth one, I think, is the most important one, right? Just giving people value in advance. 
And if you do that, you know, long enough, and because what you're essentially doing is you're practicing, right? I'm practicing how to make a better post. I'm practicing how to get really consistent with creating useful content for my people, right? My audiences. And it's like, just do that for a long time. And then you won't need to have this, you know, course that goes like, oh, post it at seven. You know, people are like, what time do you post? I'm like, fucking whenever I can. You know, sometimes yeah. I'm taking a dump and putting an IG post up. You know what I mean, like I got a crazy busy, like my days are wild. They're, you know, they're so back to back. It's, it's absurd. Like I sometimes I'm like, oh, I got, you know, 20, 30, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I'm going to put up a post or two, you know, like, um, I'm going to, you know, as I'm coaching people, I'm shooting videos, right? Like in, in the point being is, but like, if you go back, you'll see my consistency over a three to five year span is like pretty absurd. Mm-hmm. Right. And, th- and that's the magic. It's just, you practice, you know, practice, practice, practice. Like you want to get, you want to think mastery, right? You want to be a a masterful coach, which is, which is why I I get, you know, this is my belief. Like, I think online is fucking awesome. I think you can affect so many people and you can, you know, your reach is so much bigger when it comes to coaching in a strength and conditioning field and a fitness field. When I hear people go like, you know, they've been training people for a year or two and they're like, I'm going online. Unless you continue to train some people offline, I think that's that you're not going to be a good coach. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, you know, if anybody's listening to this and you feel triggered, that's fine. Come, come after me. We can have a conversation. But you cannot, if you're not coaching, I mean, three to five years aggressively, it that because it's practice. Mm-hmm. And like me coaching somebody face to face gives me a whole world of more insight from body language to be able to connect better, all of those different things. Which then, you know, you can better coach online because then you really know people, you know, and, you, and you've had this wide base of people that you've coached in, in a, hopefully, right? Because I always say is to be a great specialist, you first have to be a great generalist. Mm-hmm. And, and I see this a lot, you know, it's kind of like, well, I'm going to do a little bit, but then I'm like, you know, you're, you're trying to cut through the mastery part of it, right? It, and, and it's like, I'm still, I mean, we had a seminar this weekend. We had another seminar uh, 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 the weekend before, and then we had another seminar four weeks before that. And then we have another seminar coming up in three weeks with Pat Davison. And another, you see what I'm saying? Like we have 11, mm-hmm. 12 seminars this year at Vigor. We've had like over a hundred, you know, we have more continuing education in our gym than any other gym in the country. And that's, I'm, I'm not being arrogant here. I'm like, I'm, this is, you can come test it. You know, it's factual. I have data, but all to point out that whole curiosity part, I've been doing this thing for a long time, right? I, I really know my stuff, but I feel like I don't know anything, right? Yeah. And, and that's what makes me continue to like be curious and, and figure stuff out and bring new people in and go, oh, I like that angle. All right, how did you get that? Right, but, but then the ne- guess what? I'm using it the next day with my pro athletes, with my groups, teaching the team, right? It's, it's like, it's a con- constant refinement. You know, feedback, you know, as I always say, there's four steps. Learn, apply, reflect, course correct. Right. Learn, apply, reflect, course, correct. Uh, you know, I see a lot of people either learning stuff, but then they're not, you know, applying it. And if they do apply it, they don't reflect Did it worked, Did it not work. What worked well? What can I do better? Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and that's why, you know, that's why coaching is so effective. If I see somebody daily, right, I can create fee- a feedback loop that makes them better. If I tell you to do something and then we don't talk for a month and you come back like I did it and I'm like, oh, but man, that thing you're not doing right. That means that for 30 days you were doing it wrong, right? And you're, you're mm-hmm. patterning the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these are the types of things that like, you know, why, why I think coaching is so, so, so invaluable. And I, I don't care what space it is in, you know, it's, it's fitness, nutrition, it's, uh, co- it's business, 
relationships, whatever it may be, right? Because the, the way I've always looked at coaching is, is like, you know, you are, you are here. You know, it's kind of like when you're in a mall, you are here, uh, you know, and you're here is we, we figure it out. You know, if it's training, it's like, where's your strength, your power, your weight, your body, fat percentage, depending on what you want to change. And then wherever you want to go, that's your Everest, right? And a coach is a Sherpa. Like, I'm going to take you to your Everest. I'm not going to do it for you. Can't do it, right? I'll guide you. I can't even drag you, right? Mm-hmm. It's, coaching is, majority of the time, it's guiding, right? It's like, I have a map because I've done it before and I've taken a lot of people there. So I'm going to guide you to your Everest. Now, sometimes I'm going to push you, right? Challenge you and push you. Sometimes, man, you fall down. I might have to pull you up, okay? But majority of the time, it's guiding you. And so, you know, to get great at that, you have to get, remember, we, we talked about this with the first Cal Newport book, deliberate practice, right? Mm-hmm. You have to build career capital, you know, and whether that, you know, whether the 10,000 hour rule is true from, you know, Malcolm Gladwell or not, um, it's, it's irrelevant, right? If it's, you know, I think some people can get, get really skilled at something in less than 10,000 hours, but mm-hmm. that part is irrelevant though, right? Is it five, 6,000? Because 10,000 hours is, is pretty much about, you know, 10 years, mm-hmm. right? Now, if, if you're a cycle like me, it's four years, <laughs> you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. the, either way, like I've been, I've, I have, ties like, into that focus. Yes, absolutely. But it, it's like, but I'm at like 55, 60,000 hours now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I've calculated it between my own coaching with uh, elite level coaches and my own training and me training others, you know, when that, you know, 57 to 60,000 hour or more range, I mean, I've stopped counting, but, but do I, do I stop trying to get better? You know, no, like I, I'm trying to get better for myself so I can be better for my clients and my team. And I think that that's the whole idea, right? Is this what Simon Sinek says is this infinite game, Right. Our, our, our lives are, are, are not like a basketball game where, you know, it's the quarter and at the end, like I win the game, you know, it's like there's a score and I win and then what, you know, okay, you wait for the next game. It's one continuous thing. And uh, like I said, there's no scoreboard, you know, and, and again, like, like Tony Robbins talks about like happiness is connected to progress. And I, I could give you all the things that you want, you know, here's your 10 million, here's your body, here's this, that, the other. And then for years, you're not getting better and you'd find yourself being depressed, mm-hmm. right? This is, this is who we are intrinsically, right? There's three things that drive us intrinsically um, as Sebastian Junger talks about in tribes. And that is competence, contribution, and connection. And competence is that it's like, am I getting better? Am I mastering something? Am I improving at it? And when we when we get better at things, we are more fulfilled, even if we don't get more money for it. Right. It's like you, you, people will get like if they improve their skill set, they feel more fulfilled. Contribution is the thing that I talked about at the beginning, which is what, what helped me get into coaching because I felt like contributing fulfilled me. It was intrinsically motivating. Right. I was giving stuff. And, you know, what I was getting is this fulfillment of like joy of helping, which if anybody's ever done it, you know, it's why we, we do so much charity work at Vigor, which I, I do so much personally, so much charity work is because, again, it's so fulfilling, right? And number three is connection, which I think possibly might be the most important part, which is, you know, we don't have each other. <laughs> We're not human beings. And again, you can have whatever you want. If you don't have people around you, you're going to be miserable. Um, and, you know, Vivek Murphy, the former general, uh, which, I, you know, I don't agree with all the things that he says these days, but but 
I, you know, he wrote a book called Together, and it was about loneliness. Um, very phenomenal book, phenomenal book, right? But it's like one of the fir- the, the the number one um, predictors of mortality is loneliness, right? It's more put it this way: if we are lonely, and and loneliness is deep, it doesn't mean that we don't have people around us. We can be lonely with others around us, right? Um, is that it's it's more uh, unhealthy than smoking. I don't know how many cigarettes per day, uh, diabetes, right? Now, unfortunately, those things really kind of go hand in hand that when people are um, unhealthy, they're more lonely. And you can, you know, if you, if you want to dive deeper into the topic, uh, again, the, the book is great. There's more studies and data in there than you could, you know, go through. Um, but I mean, you don't need to read the book that you're, if you don't, if you're not surrounded by connection, you know, by love, by caring, that you're more unhealthy and you're also more uh, viable to do things like uh, eat more unhealthy, like not treat yourself well, not exercise, you know, smoke, drink alcohol. You know, these are all things that have been, have been proven, right? Which is, which is why, you know, I, I believe the fastest way to change is to change environments. That's it. You know, I mean, it, it's the fastest trigger because environments trigger our behaviors. And sometimes it's, it's tough to unravel deep traumas, right? You know, and, and I've had like a, a lot of, st- you know, stuff happen in my life uh, and, you know, many decisions I made that that led me to bad places and I've done therapy and I, I'm a big believer in therapy and I've, you know, gone to groups, uh, men's groups that have significantly helped me out. And I'm, so I talk about this and I coach this a lot because it's still, there's still a stigma around it, um, unfortunately. But again, you know what I mean? Like, environments like I, I know that when i changed my environments like things shifted quickly because we're such uh, social creatures that we wanted to we want to adhere to the standards of the tribe right so you, you take for instance vigor ground the gym right when people join the gym and they start exercising there everybody around them is working towards a a better you know kind of like a better you a be, you know they're trying to better themselves so they're trying to working on eating better improving their lifestyle habits you know, they're, they're working hard, right? And so that is the standard of our tribe. So the people that come in there now will start adhering to those standards. Okay, and, and that's why it's so so powerful because if you're surrounding yourself by with people that, you know, when you look at them, they might, they, they, not, they do not represent the future that you want to be, right? And so again, this is another one of those hard, you know, hard things to face sometimes, right? But that's going to be more difficult Right. It's kind of like gravity. It's like much more. It's, it's going to be much more difficult to escape. And mm-hmm. um, even Adam Grant talks about this in, in uh, I think, in originals, you know, really successful people. Everybody thinks that they just have so much more willpower. Right. And, and there is something to willpower. I'm not going to say that there isn't. OK. But the most successful people create better constraints. Right. They don't have to use as much willpower to do the things that makes them successful. Okay. And I'll, and I'll use like, I'll, I'll use examples that are really simple and to understand. Right. But like you're always snacking when you get stressed out, but you always have snacks and ice cream at home. So it's really easily accessible. Right. Now, if you didn't have them at home, you might still get stressed out and want to snack, but now you got to go to the fucking store and the store is 20 minutes away, which means it's 20 minutes to the store, 10 minutes at the store, 20 minutes back, 50 minutes. And all of a sudden you're like, Fucking, I'll have this fruit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it, for real, like, it's, you know, there's a, and I, 
James Clear talks about this great example in Atomic Habits where somebody was like, all right, I'm going to learn to play the guitar. So I'm going to play the guitar every day uh, for the next 30 days and see how I improve. And he put the guitar in his room upstairs. Okay. So it took him about 35 seconds to go to his room. And I might might be a little bit off on the numbers, but in the next 30 days, he only played the guitar like something like seven or nine times, right? And he was like, man, I I understand. The guitar is right there in my room. It's like, all right, I'm going to put the guitar on my couch. So that way he literally would sit down and it'd be right there next to him. And then the next month he played 27 out of 30 days, right? So he changed his environment. And even something is, is, you know, that you feel like is meaningless, just walking up the stairs for 30 seconds, you know, might shift you from doing, like I said, seven versus 27, mm-hmm. right? Just like the thing is like, hey, what if you go to sleep in, you know, your training shorts or you put them right by, like when you step out of the bed, you literally step on your training gear and your, your training shoes, right? The likelihood of you going for a walk, run training session is higher, Okay. This is the power of our environments, right? Do I meet with my friend at the bar for a drink or do I meet with my friend at the squash court, go for a hike, right? Like wherever we meet, that's what we're going to do. So again, like you, you analyzing your environments and going like, you know, what are the things that I'm surrounding myself with? Who am I surrounding myself with? It's, it's infinitely powerful. And I, I, I get it. I understand that like you can't affect everything, Right. And this is kind of like where I come back to, you know, I got a big Buddha tattooed on my arm. I'm like, all right, you know, what can we control? You know, if, if you can't control it, don't worry about it. Right. Mm-hmm. If you can't control it, don't worry about it. Do something. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, this is practice. When I talk, you know, when I talk about these mindsets, like this is practice. I, I, I got to practice this mindset. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, you'd, you'd laugh because right now you can't see it, but I'm, I'm surrounded by books and I'm, I'm writing a book currently but I read voraciously and read, you know, reading helped me brainwash me in a positive direction. Right. I was practicing thinking differently. Um, and like I said, anything that you want to change is going to take practice, but why not make it easier on yourself and, and make an environment that allows you to be more successful rather than being more challenging. Right. For sure. Uh, For it's, sure. It's, it's, it's simple. I mean, I say simple doesn't mean easy, but it is as simple as that. And it requires us to be very honest. And like I said at the beginning, right? Like hardest thing in life is to be honest about ourselves, right? And um, it was, uh, I, so this is <laughs> for, for anybody that judges that we all do, we all do, right? But uh, one of my good friends and mentors in, in back in the day, Dax Moore said, you know, first tell the truth about yourself to yourself, then tell the truth about yourself to others. Only then tell the truth about others to themselves. Mm. Right? And, and yeah, what do we do? Oh, Hey, listen, man, you should really do blah, 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 blah. Right. Mm. But you're never telling the truth about yourself to yourself. Okay. You we're really quick to, you know, to judge others and give advice. And I say one of the, you know, one of the greatest forms of sedation and, you know, of, of, we usually sedate when we avoid things, drink alcohol, uh, you know, social media, porn, food, uh, gambling, uh, sex. I mean, there's a lot of things that you sedate yourself with, right? But one that people don't think about that's actually one of the most prevalent ones is judgment, it's advice, right? We tell everybody else what they should be doing. And it's like, 
And they said, what is true wisdom? True wisdom is taking your own advice, right? And so that whole tell the truth to yourself about yourself, it's what it is. It's like, hey, listen, you should really like uh, start, you know, working out and doing this, that, the other. Okay, cool. Well, what in your life should you start doing, right? It, I mean, I had, I, I had these realizations the hard way because, you know, I would be so into like health and fitness. Like, why are you not taking care of your your health and fitness. And then in some other area of your life, I'll be a complete shithead doing dumb stuff. Right. So, you know, it, again, it, there's to me, and you know, there's, there's, there's physical weightlifting, there's mental weightlifting, there's emotional weightlifting. And it's, it's really easy to comprehend the physical one. Cause it's like, Oh, well, I go to the gym and I work out and I lift weights and I get stronger. Okay. But where, where in your day and your week, are you working on your mental weightlifting? Right. And that might be exercises. There's all types of exercises. I mean, I can give examples, but there's, um, you know, obviously reading books that help you reframe your mind. That's exercise mentally, too. And then there's also emotional, right? Emotional is everything from having crucial conversation to sitting with your feelings to, you know, understanding that motion creates emotion. But again, do you deliberately practice, you know, physical, mental, emotional weightlifting? And if you do, you know, over time, like, People that haven't seen you for a while will be like, whoa, you know, wh- what happened to you? Who are you? How are you so different? And like, you know, that's, that's been my life. And I, again, you know, I, f- I feel like Vigor Ground is a, a, in everything that I do, all my businesses, you know, a representation of a transformation that I continue to work on on myself, right? Because it's not like the work is done. You know, I'm, just, I'm far, far, far from perfect. I never will be. There's tons of stuff to work on, but I continue to work on it. You know, and I continue to work on all these three elements here that I just that I just shared. You know, absolutely. No, this is awesome. It, it was kind of funny when I was growing up. I mean, I made money and and paid for college and my expenses by carrying golf bags. I was a caddy at like one of the one of the country clubs here, and there was a bunch of guys that were traders at the Chicago Board of Trade, and they did Michael Jordan's like basketball camp. That's like twenty five grand. You get to play with Jordan, this and that. So they they became friends, and Jordan started playing with them. And I was like their guy. So anytime Jordan and them would play, it was like they, they're playing like a thousand or more bucks a hole. And I was out for caddying and my job was like, don't lose a fucking ball. You know what I mean? Like get out there, mark it with a towel, I'm running my ass off. But it was like the most exciting thing because I grew up watching Jordan play and never missed a game when they were, you know, three peating twice in a row and all that. And I would watch him get in these guys' heads, basically. And he was he was so relaxed. His demeanor never changed. He never got emotional, but he talked so much shit over the course of of those 18 holes. I'd start watching these other dudes start flying off the handle. They'd start spraying golf balls and this and that because he had this level of emotional mastery. And he knew the things to say in order to get under the skin of his competition. And it was like, at face value, you'd be like, man, Jordan's kind of a dick. But he knew exactly what needed to be done to win and how to plant seeds within his competition where they were just self-destruct. And, and, and because he knew that they didn't have the same degree of emotional mastery and emotional regulation that he had never saw him get upset, never saw him throw a club, everybody else he played with. I sure did. You know, I I feel like that was, you know, one of the great, I mean, obviously his skill and his physicality and always working on himself like that. But I mean, I still believe, you know, Michael Jordan's greatest superpower was, was, was his mindset, mm-hmm. you know, and it, interestingly enough, as you say that, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of stoicism 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like, especially during really hard time, you know, pandemics, things like that. Like I was reading still actually, man, I got it right here. Right. I still like read this every day. Cause it's so, so powerful. I mean, I got different, you know, I got Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. Stoic, that book's but, awesome. The daily uh, stoic. It's, it's great. You know, but yeah, phenomenal. All, all the stuff, all Marcus yeah. Aurelius meditations and everything else. But yeah. because why like stoics were very, it's not that they weren't emotional, but they were detaching their emotions from their decisions. Right. Because mm-hmm. when have you ever made a powerful decision when you're very emotional? Never. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, you have to create some space from that decision, uh, from that, from that emotion, and then combine it with logic to make, you know, what, what's, what you feel is best. But when you're angry, when you're jealous, uh, when you're lonely, when you're, you know, when you're hungry, right, you don't make good decisions. That's why you have, you know, in, in um, behavior change therapy and even with nutrition, we teach this, you know, the halt strategy. Are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Because mm-hmm. right? a lot of times it's like, why well, eight an hour ago? You're probably not hungry. Right. You might be stressed out. Right. You're angry. Your boss just pissed you off. You know, so now all of a sudden you're crushing M&Ms. Right. Like, but it's is are you really hungry? No, you're not. Right. But then because it's like we again, that's a pacifier. Right. It's, it's, it's a way to uh, sedate. I'm sedating mm-hmm. and make myself feel better. And, you know, these, these are like like I said, there's there's a lot. You know, I'm talking about a lot of different things here, but it's the, the thing is recognize you know, what is something in your life that is essentially veering you off course, you know, and if you, number one, you know, awareness precedes change, right? So if you're not aware, you can't change it. You don't know what you don't know. So that's why awareness is so powerful. Um, and I'd, I'd probably even go back to, you know, when you said uh, about athletes, you know, I'd say that was one of the things is awareness. Mm-hmm. Right? Being like elite athletes are become aware of their mistakes, their weaknesses, and then they work on them, right? Like, we have to, you know, do the same thing where, you know, if you're always interrupting people, they talk and you're always interrupting them. Okay. Like number one, awareness. Damn, like I am always interrupting people. All right. Let me give myself a rule. So this is practice. I'm always going to wait three seconds after somebody stops talking before I speak. Right. And that's difficult. I'm speaking from experience because I would interrupt people all the time. Right. And a friend of mine brought it up to me. And then when he brought it up to me, Next time I was like, oh shit, I do do this. Mm-hmm. And then I started practicing it. Right. And it was, it was not a quick thing. I had to really like, you know, imagine somebody stops talking for me, like three seconds was eternity. Right. Yeah. One, two, three. And then I go, you know, and, and I would do it long <laughs> enough to where I became calmer, like feeling, not feeling like I have to, uh, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you this. Right. And mm-hmm. again, awareness, you know, th- uh, same thing. You might become aware and be like, man, like, you know, every time I try to calm down on drinking wine, but now wine has become synonymous with comfort for me. And all of a sudden now I'm drinking three glasses a night, every night, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm, I'm also saying, uh, well, you know, I don't understand why I'm not losing weight. My sleep isn't that great. Again, awareness first. Right. But then that awareness, you're like, all right, listen, I'm going to just drink white wine two nights a week. That compound effect is going to change. I mean, it's going to change your life dramatically. Yeah, and it might seem a, uh, like a small thing, but all of that stuff compounds, right? So, again, you know, when I talk about environments, look, if you surround yourself with the right people that care about you, they, they will compassionately go like, "Hey, listen, I noticed something. Uh, you do this, and it's not good, right? Mm-hmm. Love and care about you. That's why I'm bringing this up." And it, and then you go, like, "Shit, okay, maybe I am right." I mean, sometimes you'll get defensive first, but this is what I'm saying, like. How do we create these, I would say, um, 
guardrails that help us yeah. stay in on the path to the person we want to become, right? For and, sure. um, and, and, and people in places and environments are such a big part of that. So I'm like, be aware of that and then start creating an environment that helps you become as successful as you can be in whatever area you want to be in. Yeah. When I was in uh, California with Jay Ferrugia at one of his events, and there was a guy there that was real quiet the way that he talked. And Jay goes, let me just break this down for you. If someone says, what? You fucked up. You're talking too quiet. You're not communicating clearly and powerfully. And so I was like, man, what a great trigger. Now, when this guy hears someone say what, he's like, I fucked up. I need to talk louder. I need to be more powerful and project. You know what I mean? Turn it all up. Right. So it's, it can, it can also be having certain triggers like that, you know, that you don't necessarily need someone else to point out if you're aware enough to recognize them, put some of those things in place, which kind of brings me to this, like, what do you believe are, are, are the, the men, what's the mentality and the energetics of a world-class coach or leader? You know, because you've got, you hear a lot about helping people find their why and they're driven by their why. And then, you know, Tony Robbins talks about good teachers, good leaders teach commitment. Um, but there's also this art to it where you got to know when to push someone. You got to know when to challenge someone. And you also need to know when to keep it, you know, where it's more focused on positive reinforcement. So I guess what I'm asking you is like, what do you really feel are like the, the core overarching um, mentalities and energetics of a world-class coach or leader? Look, I mean, the reality is this, right? Like if I look at the, the I mean, I hate looking at averages because nobody's really average. You know, it's mm-hmm. a great... Uh, I forgot what the book was, but it's basically the book talks about like when we calculate average, nobody's average. We just find this medium from everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. But majority of the people, look, most people don't really talk to themselves good in their mind. Right. Like most people are not positively uh, um, like they don't have a positive focus. So part of our mission is like I, I know like for vast majority of people that I see every day, I'm working on building their self-esteem up. Right. I'm building their confidence up. And, you know, the way that you do that is like, you know, I've explained this analogy because I absolutely love it. It's like the bank account. Right. You, you have, you know, your self-esteem is when you do something that you said you do. Not to me. Just you said that you said that you do. I'm going to get up tomorrow morning. I'm going to go for a workout. Right. Mm-hmm. OK. You get up and you're like you snooze it. and You're like, oh, fuck it. I'll do it tomorrow. Bam. Right there. That is a damn. Uh, that's a uh, debit in your uh, bank account, your self-esteem bank account. Right. You do it again, boom, another debit, 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 debit. So now all of a sudden, you know, you're bankrupt and self-esteem, right? Now, now you stop believing in yourself, right? Let alone if somebody else tells you you suck, you believe them, right? But like, you don't even believe yourself that you'll do something. Now, if I build enough credits into my self-esteem bank account, hey, I'm going to do this tomorrow. Boom, I do it. Next day, I don't feel like doing it. Guess what? I still do it. Credit, mm-hmm. credit, 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 credit. So now... I'm, I have so many credits that like when you go, Anthony, you're like, Luca, you suck at coaching. I mean, it doesn't even phase me. Mm-hmm. I know I don't. <laughs> you know, my, mm-hmm. my, my credits in my self-esteem bank account are high enough that you can't budget. Right. So the majority of the time, like positive reinforcement, shining a light on a positive works, but not being corny about it. Not not bullshitting. You know, I, I, I think there's there's an, sometimes an exaggeration when people will just tell you everything is good, which I fucking think is not not a good idea. Right. Mm-hmm. And they ask like athletes and people don't want to hear that. To honor but, all is to honor none. 
It's done or none, correct. And but what I but what I will say is just like I am gonna find shining lights. Hey, listen, I'm, you know, if I'm videoing something stuff, like maybe they don't even lift more weight. But like, look at this first rep. What do you see? Oh, like my upper back's rounding pretty bad, right? Okay, what do you see in the second video? Oh, my back's flat. Yeah, great job. See? <clears throat> like you locked in your form. What I just sh- I shine a light on something positive. Not only mm-hmm. that, it's going to reinforce them doing that posture, doing that form, right? So it's going to, that's working. Okay. And there is, I'm, I'm going to blank on this, the actual name, but there's, you know, there's been so many studies done on this on the five to one ratio. Um, you know, they actually uh, researched um, it through couples over nine years, a nine year study where basically they, they, they um, were doing interviews and following couples and this, that, the other on their positive to negative talk. Right. And, Basically, they, uh, they, they, I think they were 97% or 94% precise on who's going to get divorced, right? And it was the ratios of positive to negative talk. And five to one was that magic one where, where it's the best. And then they started researching that in companies so that teams and organizations that had that five to one ratio, you know, did better than ones that were like one to one. So one positive to one negative, right? So, I mean, one, you know, we got to look at science of this. Number two, you know, do I think that it has to be five to one? No, but... But I, I am going to find opportunities in the day to, you know, to shine a light on the great things that people are doing. Now, I'm still going to tell them like, hey, hey, stop, stop. I don't want you lifting like that. Okay, you're, you're doing this, you're doing that. It's not good. Okay, I'm not going to bullshit around it. You know what I mean? But, but at the same time, imagine being a coach. It's like, no, stop. Fuck. You're not doing this wrong right again. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. doing that in their head all day long. Mm-hmm. Right? They're doing that all day long. Now, there is an individuality to it. Like when I got, when I, now, this is, and this is where the science meets the art. Okay. And, and coaching is science and art. Right. And th- this is why I say you got to put in the reps. Like I've coached so many people so often. It's, it's absurd that you start seeing these things and you go like, look, you know, this athlete maybe needs a little push. You know, uh, we just launched a program with Kaisa. Kaisa does really well. I'm like, yeah, I don't really know if you can do that. What? What did you say? Yeah, I don't know if you can do that, man. I, that last rep kind of looked, and she'll fucking go do it, right? Because I challenged her. And this is where the individuality comes in. But guess what? When she does it, I'm still going to go like, hey, way to, way to push yourself on that. Great job on pushing through. Right? I'm going to still give that positivity, but I'm going to find these triggers that maybe challenge them to do more. Okay? So th- that's where the art comes. Now, let, let, me, let me share what I believe is the formula for confidence. Okay? It's competence plus courage, right? That's how you build confidence. So if I continue to like, if I go and study for the next month every day for three hours on a topic, am I going to be more confident about that topic? Fucking you best believe I will, Mm -hmm. right? I put in a lot of hours to build my competence up, right? But there's another part of it and that's courage. Do I, even though I'm afraid Right, because even if you you've done all this work and they're like, all right, I'm going to step on stage and present in front of a, th- of a, th- a thousand people, man, you might have built up the competence and that's build your confidence up. But you got to you got to step on stage and you got to do that hard thing, right? So uh, there, there's even a book that says, do one hard thing every day, right? Do something you're afraid of every day. And I think that guess what that is? Practice can start small, right? Fear exposure, right? Like I'm definitely afraid of not me personally, but like you, you know. People be like, I'm definitely afraid of spiders. I'm like, okay, cool. Hold that spider for a second, right? Mm-hmm. Exposure, right? Mm-hmm. You can't. How do you, you know? How do you overcome a fear if you're always running away from it? 
It's impossible. Right? So you have to have the courage to step in, lean in to these challenging things. Now you get you get those two. So imagine that formula going like, okay, so every day competence, if you work on something that you want to get better at, you know, that deliberate practice, that mastery. And then the second part, you know, often try to do things that you're afraid of. And it can be small. That's the other thing too. I think people get like, oh my God, do I have to jump out of a plane? No, like, you know, maybe go like, hey, you have a tough time talking to people today. But, you know, start a conversation with three people, right? Literally, like, track that. Mm-hmm. Hey, oh, dope, dope sneakers. Where'd you get those, man? I'm a sneakerhead too. You're a Safeway. Somebody's got some dope shoes, mm-hmm. right? Conversation. You're at Starbucks. Hey, buy somebody coffee behind you. Hey, listen, I bought you a coffee. I'm just trying to do one good deed every day, so I hope you enjoy it. Start a conversation, mm-hmm. okay? Now, that might be really, that's very difficult for some people, Okay accepting a compliment difficult for some people all types of things that you can work on every single day and practice that are that 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 cover that courage part right mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be like all of a sudden fucking i'm you know going live on stage and i've never done xyz right shoot a video like people are definitely afraid of putting themselves out on social media man do a live mm-hmm. do some stories and talking to the camera right and so if you sh- create that competence and that courage, those two together will build confidence, man. And like, and if you add that commitment, which is the, you know, we talked about like showing up and commitment of building self-esteem because you're doing what you said you do. You, man, that's, that's the formula right there. I love it. I love it. And I want to, I want to kind of land this plane because you've been super generous with your time, but there's one thing that I feel like a lot of our listeners are probably experiencing that you might be able to help with. And I, and I'm, I realize that, this is something that we could probably do a whole episode on, but there's a lot of people out there that are struggling with back pain and mm-hmm. you know a lot about how to fix back pain. So if you back. were to kind of give Luca's condensed recommendations to our listeners who might, who might be living in pain right now and, and, mm-hmm. and might've been in pain for a long time, what, what would your advice be? Back pain is interesting. It's multifactorial, you know? So I think that's the first thing that people have to understand. There's no one size fits all, like something that works for some people won't work for others, but, but let's, you know, but let's kind of look at some things that we know that work or put it this way that I'm always, you know, my belief has always been, like I said, I've experienced back pain my whole life. 14 years ago, I had a horrible back injury that, you know, for many people, they would have opted in for surgery. Um, you know, I had L5, S1 herniation, L4, L3 bulge uh, on a femoral nerve. So I had femoral entrapment. Like, it, it, you know, my leg didn't work pretty much, you know. And, and even when, like, at a certain point in time, the PTs were like, oh, we might, you know, this might be a time where you go get cut open. And I said, no, you know, and I rehabbed it pretty much 100%. You know, I have to be smart about it. Um, but even, like, I was just saying, like, this week I hit some lifetime PRs. And, and I say that. I say that to give hope because hope is a powerful thing, you know, and um, but here's the kicker. Let's look at the things that, you know, people usually experience, right? Because I'm going to go down the list. Most people like your lumbar spine, your back, right? is meant to be a more stable joint. Okay. And when we get really tight in our hips and we get a weak core and a tight upper back, right? From the phone and all day being in a hunched position. So our upper back becomes stiff. Our core is weak and our hips become stiff. Now it makes our low back move a lot, right? So now if I'm throwing, punching, picking stuff up, I'm flexing, extending, and rotating my lumbar spine. And it was not meant to do that, 
right? And the best analogy I can give you is like a credit card, right? When I get a credit card, I can start bending it left and right, one, and it's not going to break. But then 1,001, boop, it pops, right? So we want to create mobile hips, okay? Mobile meaning that you can control them. You can, you can have more range of motion, but also not just have the range of motion. Like don't, you know, don't just think flexibility. Mobility means that I can control that range of motion, right? With strength, okay? Um, and so doing hip mobility drills is certainly a beneficial thing. And it's very, you know, I'm very like, okay, look, if it hurts, you stop, okay? Now, if it's uncomfortable, like it's, it's like an uncomfortable stretch or something like that, it's a three, even a four, sometimes even a five, that's okay, right? But if it's like, ow, pain, don't do it, right? It's simple, okay? Because this is, you know, there'll be folks always on social media because I share so much stuff on my YouTube. You know, on my, on my YouTube, you can go and put up Luca Hostovar, low back pain, uh, hip mobility, and you'll get a lot of videos that will help you out, <laughs> like a lot. You know, there's full, blo- I have like 45 minute videos talking through what I do if I ever tweak my back to get back to training. I mean, it's hours and hours of content. Uh, but awesome. the point being, uh, people always like, Can't, you know, should I do this? And I'm like, I don't know, but like, but, but I'll always say like, these are safe things. So when you're trying them, if, if something's like not feeling right or like you're in pain, stop. Okay. But if you're uncomfortable, that might be just fine because again, Hey, you know, when you're stretching something out or you're really tight in your quads and you do a stretch, it's going to be uncomfortable. Right. (laughs) So one absolutely work on your hip mobility. Okay. And again, rather than diving crazy deep into it, I've, there's tons of resources that you can go, and go to YouTube. From, um, number two, we talked about like, you know, having a strong core, you know, and again, you know, how do you like not as many, I'm, I'm not saying that crunches are you know going to kill you, but you want to do our, our core is meant to prevent movement. So anti-rotation, anti-flexion, anti-extension, anti-lateral flexion. Uh, side planks, planks, TRX fallouts, pal-off presses, stir the pot on a Swiss ball, um, walkouts, uh, I mean, chops, right? Like I could go on and on and on. Uh, uh, ab wheel rollouts, uh, farmer's walks, uh, dead bugs, you know, uh, straight leg raises with band resistance. Again, but tons of this stuff on uh, online that you can you can find from me. I'm also very, you know, if you message me, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll answer. Um, so getting mobile and strong hips, right? Not, not just, like I said, mobile and strong hips, strong core mm-hmm. and then upper back, you know, so getting out of like this flexion and, and creating extension and rotation in our upper back so that the, our lower back doesn't have to do as much work. Right. So those are really, really important things. And then it's going to be like, you know, getting stronger in your hamstrings, your glutes, and even your low back, right? Creating, creating that strength endurance in your low back. Um, you know, and I, I, like the thing that people, and I get it, I understand how this goes, right? When, when you're like, my back hurts, automatically there's a threat to the system, right? Pain is a threat to the system. So it's going to downregulate everything. It's going to downregulate your strength, your range of motion, all these different things. But the sooner that you can get, one of the worst things that you can do when you have back pain is to not do anything. Like I said, the healthiest spine is a moving spine, Right. Uh, or should I say just a moving body movement is, 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 um, therapeutic in itself. Okay. So even just like when, when your back hurts, walking is, you know, is great. Right. 
She's going up for a walk is great. Now, look, there's an, there's an acute part to it. Like if you blow your back out, you know, the next day or two might be horrible and you might not be able to walk much. But like that's when you go see, you know, a, a chiropractor or a manual therapist, even better, a, a ex- excellent physical therapist is, is usually my, my rec- recommendation. Um, but then like you want to be moving, you want to be doing stuff. Right. It's definitely somewhere where I would get a coach and a professional to help you out with it, because trust me, it's an absolute game changer because getting strong will prevent you from getting back pain. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, we had a, uh, I posted a video of a, a girl in, in our gym that's, you know, 119 pounds, mama two, and she deadlifted 350. And I posted Whoa. it, went viral, you know, um, and it's got millions of views and there's so much, so many people talking shit, you know, like she's going to, you know, break her back her spine is going to blow up and the interesting thing is that like when she came to us she had back problems right and she was overweight and she was weak and like now you know she's like you know going to turn 36 she's had two kids she's super lean super healthy and like i said she can deadlift a ton and she has no pain right because she has good hip mobility good core strength good thoracic mobility she trains so she's strong. She has strong glutes and hamstrings and good low back endurance, right? And like, it, it's funny, but because the people that are saying that, and like, I'm not judging. I'm not, you know, here to talk shit. It, it's, it's unfortunate. It's sad because it's like you're gonna hurt yourself. But then I'll actually have conversations with some in a non-aggressive way, and they say that they're hurting, and I'm like, think about what you're saying, right? Like you're sitting there judging this person that's training and lifting. And you're in back pain telling them that they're going to be in back pain, but they're actually not in back pain, right? So maybe it's what they're doing, you know, because and, and like on my videos, wait till you're 40. I'm like, I'm about to be 41. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> I fucking had the destroyed back when I was, you know, 29, 28, uh, yeah. you know, and, and it's like, listen, like, I mean, you got to train smart, but this is, this is where, you know, like I, I, this is not a pitch. I don't even have a, you know, a low back product, which would be a great great link right here um but the the point being is you know these are all like we've we've coached thousands of people like i mean in real like real time you know we get nine nine different physical therapy clinics that refer to us we have a pt clinic in-house and you know the people that refer like dr stewart mcgill sends people in seattle to us right we've Mm -hmm. had him out for seminars and all that good stuff And and it's like because it like we make sure that we we do the right stuff we we're not gonna you know, anything that's like, I don't give a shit about which lift and how much you can lift. I don't care about straight barbell deadlift. It's not, that's not going to help you get where you want to go. Right. Those are just tools. Right. But the principles that I talked about, like that's the stuff that you need. Right. You need to have mobile and, and hips in control. You need to have core stiffness that matches your hip stiffness. Right. Because if my hips are tighter than my core, as soon as I get down into any type of positions, I'm going to break at the back, meaning break. I'm going to flex. Right. And I'm going to be more stressed, more sheer. Uh, more rotational forces on the lumbar spine, which we don't want. So it's 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 just a sequencing part. But I try to get people to, you know, a lot of times we'll go, we'll send folks uh, like, you know, hey, do these four or five drills. Yeah, I, I literally just posted IG videos, just like uh, it was a I, I low back, it. yeah, low. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Low back pain, hip, uh, you know, low back pain, hip um, mobility, kind of pre warm up. Mm-hmm. And it'll be stuff like that. And obviously there's multiple ones that you can do, but that's one I use and one I love and we do with people and, you know, folks that have been in, you know, afterwards, they're like, Jesus, like I feel so much better. I don't even feel my back. Now it may come back and back. This is what I'm saying. Back pain is very weird. You know, it's like, it's, there, there's almost somatic stuff with it. Meaning you, you could have 
you know, an injury from 10 years ago and you have tightness in the back and pain because of the, because pain lives in the brain, mm-hmm. right? Structurally, they could do an MRI and say like, look, your tissues are fine. Your discs are fine. But in your mind, you're like, oh, oh pain, right? Yeah. This is what I'm saying. Like, it, I, I could actually talk about this for a long, long time. Um, but because I had, I mean, for me, it's like I studied the back before I was, I was doing Dr. Stuart McGill stuff. I mean, in like 2002 or some shit like that. And, you know, and then I studied, 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 studied. And then when I got hurt, man, then I literally went to everything all around the world. I did everything that you can ever imagine when it comes to rehab, like legit DNS, PRI. Like, I, I mean, you name it, MAT, uh, you know, trigger point therapy. I did the courses. I would show up at things where they're like, you're a trainer. This is for PTs, you know, and I'd an angle to stuff. I'm like, don't worry. I won't touch anybody. I'm, you know, and they'd be like, all right, fuck it. Learn, you know, cause I was so into it to, to not to help myself but I became really good at helping others, you know, kind of fix their own low back pain. But I'm not, you know, but I'm not trying to be arrogant enough to go like, oh, there's a sequence of one, two, three, four, five. You do that and you're good. You know, we work with some of the best people. You know, I, I, I still see our PTs once, you know, once a week or once every two weeks. Um, and and they, they work on me and it's like, you know, kind of preactive too. Because sometimes I do get like some nervy stuff going on. Um, and I got to work on it. Right. But again, this is one of those, it's not a one size fits all, but there are principles, right. And some <laughs> of the principles that I shared, if you do them, like they're safe and it'll help you get better. And again, like I'll, you know, even off of this conversation, I feel like I got to do another uh, long YouTube video about it. Heck yeah. No, this has been fantastic. Luca, thank you. And, and, Guys, if you have gotten any value from this, if you've enjoyed this conversation, share it up, share it on social media, send it to friends, family members, people you work with. Um, Luca, I really appreciate you hanging out and and being so generous with your wisdom and time and energy. And uh, this has been a lot of fun. For me too, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it, man. And where's, where's the best way for people to uh, connect with you? You've got, um, I'll, I'll kind of let you guide them to where, where they should... Uh, go to stay up to date on all the cool things that you're working on and, and maybe mention what you got going on with this book. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll throw in. It's going to be a little bit before it comes out, but so it's number one, like our, our gym, it's vigorgroundfitness.com. You know, that's obviously if you're in Renton, a Seattle area, that's where you can find out everything, you know, about the gym, sign up for a trial, all that good stuff. Um, like usually I share most of like everything that's happening on, on social media, which is, you know, best to follow my IG account, which is at Luca Hosevar, L-U-K-A-H-O-C-E-V-A-R. That's the best bet. And then I, you know, if there's something going, I'll say it and go here, you know, go through stories, go to this link. YouTube is where I put all my videos. There's 1,400 videos. You could probably spend the next 10 years watching the videos if you wanted to. Um, you know, some of them are from way back then, which I'm like, uh, but there's, but I promise you like there, you know, I've, I've, I've heard that people go like, hey, I would absolutely pay a lot of money to watch this video and you just gave it to us for free. And like I have multi, like I have program design videos that are hour long. Um, I mean, blowback videos, they're 45 minutes long explaining stuff. So there is a lot of value there. If you just go on YouTube and put in Luca Hosevar, it'll pop up. Um, and then I do, you know, kind of for nine plus years now, going on 10 actually now, I've, been, I've done business coaching for the fitness space, coaches, gym owners, wellness, big, big companies bring me out for consulting now too. But we really, I really am passionate about working with, you know, gym owners that are like myself that are so, you know, I I still coach because I love coaching, right? But they want to build a a successful business, a profitable business, a a meaningful business, and also create, like make money, 
that they invest in and create security, right? Like, I mean, essentially same thing is my journey. Um, and I do that through our company called Yo Grow Your Gym. Uh, and for that, you can go check out yogrowyourgym.com forward slash results. I mean, the name in itself, if you don't get what we do, I don't know. because And it came from just, so you know, it came from Yo MTV Raps because I fucking used to love that. So yeah. we kind of <laughs> even got the logo that looks like that. So, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we hope, you know, we've got, like I said, I mean, I, I, do stuff like fly for lifetime, fly for lifetime fitness and, and, and do workshops for them. But our, you know, most of our, our gym owners are like, you know, they have, you know, 60, 70 clients to hundreds of clients and they're trying to either go multi-location or grow or cut down the time that they're working and make more money, hybrid business model. Like we do it all, right? Like as far as teaching that, and that's what the book is going to be about. And I'm actually, um, you know, one of my really good friends is Sean Hyacin, the former editor of uh, Men's Fitness. He's with, uh, he's the, the head of all the content for On It Now. Um, and so he's helping me write this book and it's going to be a book for the fitness industry, for coaches and how to be successful at long-term, like not the gimmicky bullshit stuff. You know, I, I teach what I do, you know, that's it. You know, anything that I, I'm talking about, I do it. Like I'm coaching in real time. You know, I run, you know, I have a a team of seven, uh, our, our facility in, in Slovenia has a team of 15. We've been around for 16 years. I mean, we, I mean, the amount of between those two facilities, we have coached like 11,000 people now. I mean, we train national teams. We, I'm a SNC coach for not only a high school team, but a pro sports team. And then we have, you know, individual elite athletes to come through it. I mean, there, you name it, we've done it, you know, and continue to do it. Right. Um, and I own buildings. And, and like I said, I've invested in startups and blah, 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 blah. You know, not to, like I said, like, look, it's not to impress anybody. It's just to impress upon you that like this is what I do. Day in and day out, 24-7, it's almost, you know, it's, a, it's a, sometimes a problem because I'm like, Kobe, I'm fucking obsessed with this shit. And, you know, the book is, I, w- I want to make it a very practical book, you know, not like a geeky, like, look at all the stuff I know, but it's like, do this shit and it'll work. And even 10 years from now, if you pick it up, it's going to be based on principles. It's just going to have examples of real world stuff, you know, whether it's social media posts, how to do hand raiser campaign, you know, referral campaigns, understanding uh, these different principles of like, coaching customer experience and uh, uh, and culture or on the front end there's content communication conversion slash cash there's all these different nine c's to build a championship business and whether you're a single coach or you're a business owner or a gym owner you know so i'm pouring myself into that i know it's probably going to take you know the rest of the year uh to get done cleaned up all that good stuff and my goal is to launch it early next year um as a hardcover book and and you know and be the best book in the industry for people to build a career a meaningful career that actually, you know, makes you money. Um, because at the end of the day, I, you know, I feel like the, what we do is the greatest job in the world. You know, it's, 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 mm-hmm. I mean, it's a vocation, it's not a job, but you know, to say I'm a coach, you should be honored. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't, I think, see it that way. And it's like, man, we should also, you know, the great ones, I'm saying the people that really do the work, the, the things that we're talking about, they should be rewarded for it, you know, and they should have great careers. And I hate fucking seeing great coaches leave the industry because they don't make enough money, you know, and um, and like, I want to be part of changing that, you know, from the inside out. And again, like, I'm not a person that's like, I left the industry and like, I'm here, man. I'm here to, you know, forever. This is the best industry there is. And we affect people more than any other profession that I, that I know, you know? So, uh, I'm very, very obviously passionate about it. It's not just the caffeine. I'm just so fired <laughs> up about this stuff. So, uh, you know, you guys will be seeing more of that as I, as I share uh, along the year. Awesome, brother. Keep us posted on that. If you want to come back for a round two when the book's dropping, let me know. I'd, I'd welcome you with open arms. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Definitely will make it happen. All right. Thanks so much, Luca. Pleasure.
None of us are born with the warrior spirit. It is taught and trained. On the wrestling mats of Iowa, the mountains of Dagestan, and in homes across the world. Courage is learned from mentors and elders. Bravery is inoculated by a regimen of strategic training and discipline. This discipline culminates when the warrior has garnered the skill set to do what most men can't or won't. When he willingly runs into the fires of initiation because that is where his people need him. We feel disconnected when we chase the false idols of money, material possessions, and comfort. But true purpose and freedom are earned by training those parts of ourselves from which most men run. Some heavy shit is coming down, brothers. And those who rise to accept this call will go through it and win. The body, mind, and spirit are your instruments of victory. One cannot be properly trained while ignoring the other two. Our elite one-on-one coaching program is this training and your call to rise. Whether you're trying to build muscle, burn fat as fast as possible, upgrade your brain, reclaim your health, or unleash the warrior within, I will build you a personalized game plan to take your body, mind, and spirit to their true potential. At biohackercoaching.com, you will tap into the most cutting-edge health, anti-aging, and transformation protocols personalized exclusively for you to radically enhance your physical and mental performance. You'll have me in your corner as your coach and guide. With detailed instructions and advanced custom techniques to optimize your life, weaponize your body, and bulletproof your mind so that you achieve your goals as fast and safe as humanly possible. You'll discover science-derived lifestyle hacks I've only shared with our roster of Olympic gold medalists, world-class athletes, U.S. Special Forces, high-level businessmen, and super achievers from all walks of life, people ruthlessly committed to unlocking their ultimate capabilities. This program is for beginners, intermediate, and advanced fitness levels and provides everything you need to optimize your body, mind, and spirit's full capacity. We run labs and and blood work first because we believe in testing, not guessing. Then we use those data points to build you a unique, personalized program to correct underlying challenges and transform you into the man or woman you're here to become. Whether you're wanting to get shredded, add pounds of lean muscle, sharpen your mental focus and brain power, or heal, everything you need is included, and you'll have me in your corner holding you accountable, and guiding you through every step of the way. Because this isn't something I outsource to other coaches who may not have the skill set or experience you need, I can only work with five men each month. To grab a time for us to speak and determine if our Apex coaching program is a fit, go to biohackercoaching, B-I-O-H-A-C-K-E-R-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com and book a time for you and I to discuss your goals. Because we receive 50 to 100 applications each month for these five spots, if you'd like to request your application gets moved to the top of the list, send me a text message to my personal phone at 847-989-3743 and let me know why you're ready to change your life. This is elite personalized training at the highest level with zero guesswork. Only a small handful of people get this level of access to me and these teachings. If you've resonated with this, 
Go to biohackercoaching.com now and fill out the short application form to grab a time for us to connect. Strength and honor.